There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the Tuesday edition of the podcast. We certainly thank the Lord for each of you that listen. Thankful for our homeschoolers, our chapel services. School is winding down, so I guess through the summer we won't welcome you as a homeschool chapel service. But I do hope you continue to listen. I hope that if our family devotion time, maybe you have some preaching in your life. And once again, years ago, I was on the radio and uh, got to preach in several states. I preached, I guess, in seven or eight different radio stations live over the years. And you get the message out, and uh, you just wonder who's listening. You never know who's listening. And uh, thank God for those on the podcast who have contacted us over the years on the radio. And you had two or three people ever contact us on the podcast. We've had probably 30 people have contacted us and they listen to the podcast. And they thank the Lord for the podcast. And we certainly appreciate that. And we thank God for each and every one of you. We're going to go back into the soul of Jesus Christ today. We've addressed this because of uh, a lot of misunderstanding today, a little misconception concerning the soul of Jesus Christ. But to do that, I need to go to Psalm 16. And that's where we left off yesterday. And uh, yeah, I hope you listen to yesterday's podcast before today's podcast. It always bothers me when I see uh, one podcast will have, say, 552 downloads, and then the part two will have, like, 71 downloads. And I'm going, well, how come they listen to the first part? Or there's sometimes we'll have a three-part or a four-part, and in the middle there'll be one with a, a lot of people listen to, but nobody listens to part one or three. And, you know, this is a continuous message. I hope you listen to part one. I hope you also listen to part two. If we need, we'll go to part three. Psalm 16 is when we left off. And again, he's preaching the message that God has given David here. This is a prophecy. This whole chapter is prophecy because he says in verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. What is the flesh of Jesus Christ? That's his body. That is his flesh. It's resting in hope. Why? There's a resurrection. He says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. That's a verse of resurrection. Why? Because his soul is in hell. The word of God tells us it is. Now, Peter expounds that. And those of you familiar with this, uh, understanding these verses and this doctrine, this is nothing new to you. I hope you can glean something from this. Uh, but Peter expounds upon this great message of Pentecost. This is what was preached at Pentecost. And so we know in verse 22, he's speaking of Jesus of Nazareth. We know that in verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. None of this took God by surprise. Why? God had foreordained this as a determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. And God put this plan in motion. That's why God prophesied. That's why he gave understanding. And we'll see in Job, that's why we're dealing with this in the book of Job, we'll see those prophecies. We'll see those places where he speaks about the soul of Jesus Christ, the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ. What's happened is educated men have come along today. 
and they correct this with words and correct this with wisdom and they correct this with knowledge of man. And I've even heard him say that God took time and eternity, compressed into one three-hour segment, and there in three hours, Jesus Christ was offered, his soul was offered, he, he bore the judgment, the wrath for all sin, and then when he said, it is finished, everything was done that needed to be done. But how foolish that is. And how silly that is. The blood was not yet on the mercy seat. His soul had not been offered in hell. He had not gone and preached to the prisoner. He didn't have the keys of death and of hell. And he had not resurrected. You can't divide up and separate all of those things. Every piece of that is important in salvation. Every piece of that is important for the redemption of the sinner. If you don't believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you're damned forever. And yet they, they say, well, it is finished. Everything was completed that needed to be completed. And the reason they say that is because they don't want to deal with the soul of Jesus Christ. I've had men contend with me over the soul of Jesus Christ, and I've asked them. I said, well, would you please show me then from Scripture what happened to the soul of Jesus Christ? And usually very educated men sit there with a deer in the headlights stare. They have no idea what happened to the soul of Jesus Christ. All they say is, well, it was offered on the cross of Calvary. Well, we know that it was taken to a separate place. We know that that fat was taken out of that lamb, that fat was taken out of that goat offering, the peace offering, and the sin offering, and was offered on the altar separate from the body. That's something you cannot deny in Scripture. And it was taken from the body, offered on the altar, offered on the altar as a burnt offering. It was a sin offering before the Lord, a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the reason he did that is because he shows us why that's done in his son, Jesus Christ. For he goes on, he says, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. So it's impossible for his soul to stay in hell. It was impossible for his body to stay in the grave. And by the way, the pains of death, I don't think his body felt anything. And that's one of the things that, again, it's not a gray area with me, but his body wasn't feeling pain. He was already dead. When he died on the cross, all the suffering of his life, all the suffering of his body, all the, the thorns and the beatings and the, the agony and losing his breath, as we'll see in Job 9, and all of those things had now ceased. Now the suffering is the suffering of his soul. In verse 25, for David speaketh concerning him, and then he tells us David's prophesying. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is in my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now, at the bare basis of all of this, and without any other discussion, without any other uh, wisdom, without any other input, without me making another word, what does the word of God say? Thou wilt not leave Thou wilt not leave, just throwing this out there, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. David's soul was never in hell. And so the Lord told us, Peter told us in that great day, this is not David, for David spake. David foresaw, David speaking these things, why he foresaw Jesus Christ, that thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. What is that? The resurrection that thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. And then he says in verse 29, he explains again, in case he's a skeptic, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet of God, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. How did he raise him up? He raised up his soul, and he raised up his body both. 
That's why he said he would not leave his soul in hell. Neither would he suffer his holy one to see corruption. They both had to resurrect to reunite with his spirit. He's seeing this before. Who saw this? David did. Why? He saw these things. God showed these things to David. That's why he himself also suffered greatly. And it's in those places of despair that God revealed himself to David. It was in the cave. It was in the wilderness when he fled from Saul. That's where God revealed himself to David. That's where God reveals himself to Job. In the sufferings of Job's life, in the agony of Job's life, God reveals himself to Job. Job sees Jesus Christ, prophesies of Jesus Christ, and tells us before of the resurrection of Christ, He's seen this before, speaking of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul, his soul, Jesus Christ's soul, was not left in hell. Neither his flesh did see corruption. Now, if you don't want to believe what the Bible says, then go ahead and take and discredit that. And if you don't want to believe the word of God, then take your King James Bible, throw it in a river, go get you a good NIV where it says Hades, and go get you a new King James Bible where it says the grave. He would not leave his soul in the grave. Go get you another version. Throw your King James Bible away and just go ahead and believe what the modernists believe. But the King James Bible says he would not leave his soul in hell. And either we believe what the Word of God says or we don't believe what the Word of God says. There's no gray areas here. People say, well, he he suffered that death of his soul on the cross. He couldn't have suffered the death of his soul on the cross because the Bible said his soul was not left in hell. And they say, well, that's allegorical. Then why was his soul in hell? An allegory suffers. An allegory, and if you say it's allegory here, then Jesus Christ is still suffering. He's in anguish. He's in angst. And again, Psalm 116, we've talked about that in the Psalms that we went there, in the Messianic Psalms, but Psalm 116 said this, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, and mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Why does he say that? Because he's dead. Why are his feet falling? Because he's in the heart of the earth. Why is that? Because he's in hell. He's suffering. He's going there to preach to the prisoner. He's going there to preach to those in bonds. He's going to them to preach to them. He said he had broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. They draw near the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. Why? Because he's preaching to the prisoner. He's preaching to those without Christ. He's preaching to those in their lost estate. He's preaching to men. He's preaching to them the glorious gospel, his gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Job 16, we've used this often, and we'll be there in a couple of weeks, Lord willing. But in verse 16, we see in the sufferings of Job, Job then begins to prophesy. In verse 9, he teareth me in his wrath who hateth me. He gnashes upon me with his teeth, mine eye. Mine enemy sharpened his eyes upon me. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully, Jesus Christ. They have gathered themselves together against me. God hath delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over into the hands of the wicked. That could be Job, but more than that, it's Jesus Christ. Because look at verse 12. I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. God never broke Job asunder. He turned him over to Satan for destruction of the flesh. He turned him over that Satan could have his way with him. But God never broke Job. God never put his hand against Job. He says, he hath also taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. His archers compass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. Now remember, the soul of Jesus Christ was poured out into death. That soul in him 
that offering, that peace offering, the fat, the call above the liver, okay, the fat above the kidneys. What's the call above the liver? Why is his soul poured out unto death? Well, verse 13 of Job 16, he poureth out my gall upon the ground. There's that call above the liver. He breaketh me with breach upon breach. He runneth upon me like a giant. The soul of Jesus Christ. Job 9, we'll start there, Lord willing, tomorrow in Job 9. One of the reasons I went ahead and did this podcast today is that we could see this and understand this a little bit more clearly. But if Job 9, 17, for he breaketh me with a tempest and multiplieth my wounds without cause. How did he do that? Took him by the neck and shook him. He will not suffer me to take my breath, but filleth me with bitterness. What is that bitterness? It's the bitterness of that gall. It's the bitterness of him being poured out. How did, he, how did he run upon him? Because God had smitten him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. When he saw the travail of his soul, he was satisfied. It pleased the Lord to bruise his own son. Why would it please the Lord to bruise his own son? Because he is that peace offering. But then he's also that offering for sin. His body was sacrificed on the cross. His body was slain by the hands of wicked men, yet it was the Lord himself that ran upon him, took him by the neck and shook him, choked the lifeblood out of Jesus Christ. We see that in Psalm 18, a great companion to much of what we said in these last two podcasts, but the word of God told us, he said in verse four, the sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Where are ungodly men? Well, they're in hell. He said, the sorrows of death. Well, the sorrows of death. Was that David? No, David didn't die. Not in this passage. David died, and David wasn't surrounded by ungodly men in his death. No, David was absent from the body, present with the Lord. He told us that. But the sorrows of hell, in verse 5, compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. My cry came before him, even into his ears. Now, remember, God is taking him by the neck and shaking him. Verse 7, then the earth shook and trembled. Why? The soul of Jesus Christ is being offered for sin. The Son of God has laid down his life for us. The Son of God has been made a sin sacrifice for us. The Son of God has offered himself, and he's offered himself for me and for you, and he's offered himself on the cross of Calvary, that he's offered himself, and his soul was made an offering for sin. Isaiah told us his soul was made an offering for sin. You can't see Job in the same light until you see the offering of his soul. You can't see Job in the light of Scripture until you see the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ. And therefore, I believe, therefore, have I spoken Psalm 116. Why does he believe? That? Why have I spoken this? He said, we have the same spirit of faith. I believe, therefore, have I spoken. Who doesn't believe this? Those that don't have the same spirit of faith. I'll give him a little bit of credit. I'll give a man a leniency with this. He may have been taught wrong and just cling to the things that are wrong. I know good men, I believe godly men, uh, that have not seen this. They cannot see this doctrine. They've been taught wrong. They're taught that other languages have, have, have made this different. Another going to the Greek uh, it makes this a different understanding. And they believe that he bore all that suffering of the cross. I mean, good men. And they're deceived by it. They're deceived by the offering of his soul. And then there's also those that do not want to see. There's those that look to the hierarchy of education. They have some kind of superior knowledge of this. But the very basis of men can understand his soul was offered for sin. Dear pastor, friend of mine, about three years ago, went for his congregation. Just common folk, just simple folk. Not dumb, just simple folk. 
And he went before them and he asked them about this verse. And with, with one accord, they all raised their voice and said, well, if his soul was offered for sin, that must be the soul of Jesus Christ. If it says his soul was not left in hell, then absolutely his soul had to go to hell. His soul must die the second death. If his soul's not offered for sin, we don't have redemption. If his soul was not offered in hell, we don't have freedom from hell. But yet his soul was offered. And yet his soul was made that offering for sin. He was that sin offering. And can I say to you, my friend, it's paramount to understand the rest of the book of Job. I do hope you let folks know about this podcast. This is something I believe needs to be spread around. I believe folks need to hear this podcast. This is not something I'm unfamiliar with. This is not something I just off the cuff ran with. This is something God gave us probably five or six years ago and uh, caused us great <laughs> consternation in our life, caused us great troubles in our life because of men contending with that. I preached this down south a couple of years ago, and a lady came up to me and thanked me. She said, Brother McVeigh, she said, uh, you know, she goes, I haven't heard that preached in a long time. She's my husband. He was a preacher of the gospel. She said, my husband preached that for many years. And she said, everybody thought he was crazy. And she said, yet one time he preached, she named a man's name and said, he was a professor at Bob Jones University, heard my husband preach. And he came to me, to my husband and said, you know, he said, preacher, I thank God for you preaching that. He said, I don't know anybody else that believes that, but I believe that. And so it is a minority today. It's a minority that men believe the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ. It's a small minority. Why? Because educated men have told us that's not what it means. Educated men have said that's not. You can't understand Psalms without believing the soul of Jesus Christ was offered in hell. You can't understand Job until you believe the soul of Jesus Christ was offered in hell. I challenge anyone that's listening, anyone that contends with this, contact me. Please don't hesitate to contact me. Reach out, talk to us, interact. Show me where I'm wrong, but take the word of God and do it. Don't take a book. Don't take a commentary. Don't take a Greek New Testament. Don't take a Strong's Concordance. Take a Bible and prove it's where it's wrong. The soul of Jesus Christ, paramount to our faith, paramount to understanding the scriptures. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Why? Because on Christ, Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Every commentary, every dictionary, every book, every concordance, it's sinking sand. If it changes the words of God, if it says, no, this is what God means, it's all sinking sand. But if you'll stand on this rock, which is Jesus Christ, he'll give you understanding. He'll give you that truth in the inward parts. Have a great day. We'll be Lord willing. We'll be in Job 9 tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up 
for your redemption called nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.